Hello, and welcome to Gears on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Declan. And I'm Ned. And this time, we're opening the time capsule to bring you thoughts on films that have long, well, for this one, not that long forgotten, before they are... Not left, no, <laughs> before they're left to gather dust. Yes. Um, as the world of cinema races forward. When did it actually come out? It was late June last year. June 2023. Oh, mid last year, okay. In this time capsule episode, we'll be talking about animated Oscar nominee 2023's Nimona. Great. Remember, there will be spoilers throughout, so as always, do proceed with caution. Do you want to synopsize us up? I shall. You were ready to say, but before all that... No, I wasn't. Oh, I was ready to hear it. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, synopsis. Yes. I think you'll like this one. The city is abuzz because, for the first time ever, someone born not of noble blood is about to be knighted as a protector of the realm. As Ballister Boldheart kneels before the Queen... Everything erupts into chaos and he is forced into hiding where he forms an unlikely alliance with a plucky young shapeshifter who has also been cast out from society. I like it. Thank you. Wrote that one myself. Well done. Would you like a bit of history about this film first? I would actually, yeah. So we very, very, very nearly didn't get it. Didn't we? So this film was under production at Blue Sky Studios, which is the animation arm of 20th century fox right and during the merger with disney disney closed down blue sky studios because obviously they've got disney animation they've got pixar plenty going on yeah so it was 75 percent done and the studio was made it was gone so there was a bit of a there was a bit of a campaign for someone else to pick it up. So Anna Pura Pictures picked it up and completed the film and then obviously it's been distributed on Netflix. Oh. And I'm very glad that it has because, I mean, we've chose to do it because it's well a good film and a very good film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought, and I think I read that it would have been like Blue Sky Studios' first queer film but unfortunately it got canned in that process but we got it and also the creators of it have said that they'd quite like to do more I know towards the end of the film it does tease that it could be picked up further down the line Um, but yeah I would like to see more of this because I would like to say Quite quickly off the bat that I really, really, really like this film. Oh, me too. I thought it was really, really good. I really enjoy um, a lot of the different characters' involvement in the story. Um, it's really, really fun. Uh, and I think visually it is excellent. It's that kind of animation style that I feel like if you could touch it, it would feel a little bit like paper. Yeah, I really like the animation style. I think it reflected the the trend at the minute where even kind of mainstream, um, well, I think we've touched on this before, but like the Spider-Verse effect where we seem to be getting more animation. Um, And also animation that's not just for kids, because there's quite a bit of violence in this. Yeah, and some of the the gags in it are a little bit uh, PG. 
Mm, yeah. But I thought some of the, the blood and stuff was like not even PG. Oh, really? But I think it's quite hard to quantify it in an animated... What's the certificate? Surely it's, surely it's it not get a released. I don't... Well, I think if it had gone in cinemas, it might have been. Wow. Especially with it having queer elements, because sometimes yeah. they're a bit archaic and think that if it's gay, it should automatically be... Eh, well... Um, but yeah, no, very much enjoyed it. I thought, um, I really, really liked the, and I thought it was quite cool to see and not something you see that often, that kind of blend of medieval, but also modern technology. Yes. I've written here, steampunk is to the Victorian era, what this is to the medieval era. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... It was like the world, the infrastructure looks modern, but the people... Yeah, and like the customs and, and the, the society. Yeah, and still act like it was medieval. I think yeah. it did a lot. I think that's probably... It benefited from being animated because it could really lean into that and be really creative with it. Yeah. So I think kind of trying to recreate that in a live-action aspect would have been yeah. expensive. Um, there was one that, as you said that, it reminded me of, and it has Anne Hathaway, and I think it's a version of, like, Cinderella. And at one... All of the stuff is... All, all of the infrastructure and stuff is made of wood, and it's very, like, visually medieval, but she goes on an escalator where the wooden stairs are moving. And I can't remember what film it is, but it's Dead Camp. Um, and that's what that made me think of when you said... The only Dead Camp thing... I mean, Anne Hathaway is quite... She's been in quite a few camp films, but the only thing, I just can't has. get, like, Devil Wears Prada out of my head. And Princess Diaries. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it very, very quickly as a film identifies itself as a queer film. Yeah, it's we quite see, soon in that they're, like, holding hands, little kisses. We see Ballister, Bald Heart, and Ambrosius <laughs> Golden Line. His name um, made me, like... Um, you know that kind of laugh that isn't quite out loud, but it kind of coughs in your throat? Yeah. That laugh happened when they said Ambrosius golden loin for the first time. And didn't you think... I, I thought this was quite nice as well. Their gayness wasn't really a thing, other than the fact that they were gay. It wasn't like no one minded, no, no one minded that they were yeah. gay. It wasn't like a... I think what we've seen, there's a bit of a trend in kind of newer films that are kind of targeted towards an audience that's sort of old teens to maybe mid thirties, mm. that kind of age range where it's got a lot of diverse um, casting and characters in there. But what's nice about the films to watch them is that there's no kind of judgment or prejudice in the film. Yeah. And I think taking it out of this world as well, quite often makes that easier. Yeah. Because it's like an alternative reality type thing where yeah. no one cares that, that you're gay. Yeah. And, you, you know. And it's like a nice little um, piece of escapism, I think. It is. It is. Yeah. But it was also, like, a hell of a lot of fun. Like, I've wrote that the, the first scene where... So, basically, Nimona, um, the titular character... Titular. Um, ...is a shapeshifter, and she can shape into pretty much a wide variety yeah. of animals. And in that first scene where we find that she can do this and she changes into different animals and her and 
um, baluster, yeah. kind of escaping from somewhere. I thought the animation was so cool and I liked the way, and I'm never sure whether to explain this as that could be an animation, but I liked the way the camera moved. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was like you were on a bit of a ride, like if it had been on a really yeah, big screen. It really like, followed it kind of yeah, through all you the were way. Like, you, it was like you were that. Um, I noticed when um, Ballister and Nimona met, um, Ballister kept like commenting that she was a girl and she always kind of... She didn't answer... Well, I got like very confirming much. that, so I wasn't sure about like um, maybe a genderless character. Well, I got kind of very, very overt non-binary vibes. Yeah, and then there was quite a lot of like trans parallels. Should we, um, should we they them Nimona for the rest of the episode? I don't know because they say we don't really know. They say she throughout the film, and it's but, not really like yeah, said it's not. To. I think I think it's if you see it through a lens as a queer person, this yeah. film is like uh, you can see what they're doing here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because even like obviously a lot of this film is about Nimona, who turns out everyone kind of she's there. She have got a real bug bugbear about being called a monster because of the powers that she has. Yeah. And we see a flashback towards the end of the film where, was it the princess couldn't, well, made friends with her and then her parents found out. Yeah. And then, and then she couldn't called and called her a monster. And like that kind of, and especially in a world where it just felt very, it had a lot of parallels because especially in this this world where being your sexuality no one really bats an eyelid it felt really weird that they were treating somebody as other and that's where i felt like the the parallels of where trans rights are and and it did and and i do think it is documented that that is a thing that the the creators of this film it's quite clear it's quite clear that the reason nimona is considered a monster in that society is the fact that she can transform into different um, different bodies, really, which, you know, it's not a massive leap um, to draw parallels with people who transition, is it? Yeah. Well, it is of, based... And a it lot d- of people will change the way they appear out on the outside. It doesn't change who they are on the inside, though. Yeah. It, do- it is based off a graphic novel... Um, which I did didn't know until quite recently before this recording. Yeah, um, the minutes but, before but I we did say even the way it looks, it does have very kind of graphic yeah. novel vibes. But a lot of kind of the original graphic novel kind of reviews and academic analysis of it did highlight its themes of queerness and yeah. flu- fluidity of identity. Um, Something that Nimona said in it as well, a really, really good line that I think um, synthesises what, gender dysphoria must feel like or at least starts to touch on what gender dysphoria must look like um something along the lines of um oh i know what it is ballister asks her if shape-shifting hurts yeah she's like yeah it's more like not shape-shifting is the difficult bit it's uh, i think she describes it as the feeling right before a sneeze 
and then she shapeshifts and everything feels great and amazing and i think that must again um, yeah there was a lot was of really clear reflection of, of there was a lot of metaphors definitely and i loved it um empire's review mm-hmm. compared it to a film that i was thinking a lot about whilst i was watching it as well what film what animated film did it remind you of because there was one that could not come out of my head um i don't know give me a clue it came out in 2001 what shrek yeah really yeah the taking the fairy tale formula yeah and playing with it a bit well yeah i suppose so but it really it really reminded me and again like obviously I would say no, Shrek wasn't violent in, in some parts where this is a bit, but even kind of the adulty type jokes that where, you know, it's almost like younger children would have a completely different experience to what an adult is having. It's one of those yeah. kind of... I really like films, films that do that because it means that, you know, if you are a child when you first watch it and love it, and then a teenager when you next watch it and love it, and then again an adult when you next watch it and love it, you pick up on all sorts of new things. Mm. It's like what Chicken Run does for me. <laughs> Chicken Run <laughs> again. Um, I tell you, I was really impressed with um, Chloe Grace Moretz's voice. Um, As Nimona. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like her voice acting. She's done a few bits now. Um, I've not seen that animated Tom and Jerry film that they did a couple of years ago. I but I have seen, seen her play Wednesday Adams in the Adams Family animated films. I haven't seen um, her um, in anything live action for ages. I was just thinking about it a couple of weeks ago. I really honestly think the last thing I saw her live action was Kick-Ass. Oh, God, no. I remember seeing it a few years ago in that Greta where she kind of befriends this French woman. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, the name rings a bell, but I'm not sure if I've seen it. Because Kick-Ass was 14 Kick-Ass years ago. Kick-Ass was years ago, ago <laughs> I know. Um, no, she had, but she is seeming... And yeah, I really liked her voice and Riz Ahmed playing... Um, Ballister. Ballister, yeah. yeah. I thought they were... And Eugene Lee Yang, but he as as Golden Line, but he wasn't in it quite as much. And Golden we also Line. spotted a very famous person's cameo within the queer ecosystem. Did we? RuPaul. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. RuPaul is one of the newsreaders, the reporters. Oh, um, and Francis Conroy as well. Oh, as the director, yeah. who, if you'll excuse my language, is a huge elitist cunt. Oh, not, not the Francis, character. The, oh. Yeah, the director. Right. Who's the character name, not you the actual director. You generally might have to bleep that out, you know. Really, why? Because no podcast like the word C-U-N-T. Okay, I'll bleep it. That'd be funny. We've um, said it before. I don't know if we have. You've said that somebody was serving cunt before. Mm. I'll bleep it out again. Maybe, yeah. But no, I really liked. I really liked that. Um, there was a gay bar in this called um, the Antlered Serpent, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why it took me so long to come out with it. Then, oh, if you pardon the pun. Um, but I thought it was quite interesting to see. It was like it. It showed the sign Antlered Serpent, and then there was a scene in it, and I was like, I think they're in a, in what. I would perceive as a gay bar, mm. um, which I thought was quite fun to see a gay bar in animated yes. kind of form. Um, yeah. This film has a lot of twits, twists and turns to it. 
it goes in directions you, and you think oh so the yeah. the big the big like rug pull at the beginning is obviously um Ballister is is welcomed as a knight but as during his crowning ceremony his, yeah. his sword opens up and shoots something that kills the queen yeah um oh that's what i meant when i made my comment about the director actually like the lengths that she'd go to just to avoid somebody she deems not worthy taking a position that they've never taken before um it was that that was the point but then we got sidetracked by my foul mouth <laughs> but yeah but it like goes in twisted turns we find out kind of who it was who who actually did it you think it's one person you think it's the other yeah um and yeah i quite like some of the lore as well like how when um Ballister does is seen to attack the queen because yeah. it is him who's holding the sword but obviously it's not him yeah. who did it um like even when you know his arm gets chopped off. It's like, well, that's what we get taught to do, you know, to disarm somebody. It's like, arm off. Yeah. That's what shocked me straight away. I was like, oh, this isn't like a kiddies animated film. No, it's definitely um, uh, probably older children if you're going to let your kids watch it. And Nimona really wants to kill and cause chaos and the <laughs> dialogue is quite funny. I love that about um, Nimona. I think, like, when we first meet her, she's, like, really humorously a little bit villainous. Um... But you can tell that she's just really, like, heartfelt and honest in everything she says. And she's just giving, like, some um, frank perspective about what society does to people that it deems not worthy of inclusion. So, for what I understand with the film, there was this heroine called Glorith. Yeah. She was the one who met Nimona outside. Yeah, so for the, for the most part... Um, but we don't know the, that until yeah. the end, yeah. The kingdom basically sees Glorath as God. Like, a lot of the conversation, like, where we would say, oh, my God, they're all like, oh, my God, oh, my Glorath. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's very much like the... Um, I suppose it's not deity, because it's got, like, direct descendants of... Supposed to be like Jesus, if we were putting it into familiar. She reminded me the way the story, like the way it went through, like the fairy yeah. tale book at the start, reminded me a little bit of like some of the visuals of Hercules. Yeah, yeah, yeah I liked that. Um, and then it turns out what we know, what we learn about Nimona is that she's not a young girl. She's actually been around since this kingdom first it was, you know, a tiny little village with straw huts. Um, and she used to be busy pals with Glorath um, until uh, Glorath's parents met her and saw her as a shapeshifter, and then everything went a bit nasty. And what's really interesting is based on like the mythology that a lot of the characters kind of refer to throughout the film, we see where that mythology came from in that first conflict between... Um, Glorious parents and the yeah. which is really, really interesting, actually. I thought it was a really cool twist. I can't... Re- so I know the director finds those scrolls that does show that Nimona is that great black monster. Yeah. What is the director's... Um, why does she do what she does to the Queen again? 
because this is where the elitism is. Oh, she, she's she doesn't like, believe that the Queen should let The Queen's Ballister. basically, yeah. the first time ever, basically, the protectors of the realm have always been of noble blood. Yeah. From, like, the original families in the city or whatever. Um, and this Queen has decided that uh, that's silly and that this person who's not born of noble blood is more than worthy of, you know, taking that responsibility. And the director ain't best pleased with that. So um, she does all this plot to, to frame him, yeah. kill the queen, so she doesn't make this decision again. Um, and in her mind, it would all be nice and easy. So it gets quite dark because basically, as it goes through, Ballister abandons Nimona. Um, and with her, like, the memory of what happened with Glorath, she transforms again into this big... Instead of just being able to transform into small animal like, other animals, she yeah. transforms into, obviously, this big, huge it's thing. Huge. It's almost like it looks like the night. She almost impales herself on this big part of the statue. building, statue, yeah. to kind of end it all. Um, but then, like, Ballister stops her... You know, they make amends, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But it, like, all that's quite, it's quite dark. It's really emotive, isn't it? Mm. Like, I was holding my breath at points, and then I was like, oh, and then I was crying. It was great. Yeah. But it does kind of, you do think it's going to kind of leave it on a bit of a, um, so when, when Ballast obviously stops her from doing that, mm. then the queen, uh, not the queen, the director, points this laser mm. that would not just take... It's got quite high stakes, this film. Like, it wouldn't just kill her. It would, like, take out half of the land. Yeah. Um, She turns into this phoenix, and apparently she's dead. Like, that's it. We don't... And then her saving... What I did quite like is the full circle moment and the way it ties the plot up towards the end is that everyone in this in the city starts to kind of put murals together for Nimona and they're yeah. all accepting and loving and kind of showing It's that... like rewriting the wrongs. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it kind of ends. We think Nimona's oh, gone. It really nice, actually. The city sort of starts to rebuild and everyone's kind of over the horrors that have happened. And it's like... Um, Ballister and his boyfriend Ambrosius are having a little handhold and a kiss next to the ice cream stand in the park and then Ballister's like I'm just going to nip back to whatever hideout he had he had like he a was... bit of like a superhero lad yeah he? it was um, kind of where he was hiding out in the initial part, aftermath when the mom was like oh is this your lair like I can be your yeah. sidekick kind of thing and yeah. he went back and he was like tidying up and like all these little memories of Nimona and then it leaves it on like a is she back is she not type well i think shot. it confirms that she she is back yeah but like well we don't see don't her but we hear her, her voice but like we we are led to assume that she's back and then the credits roll we hear her voice do we yeah she speaks oh, i didn't hear that bit and then literally she spoke he like shocked like as a shock face and then it cuts to the credits all right fair enough so there's definitely more and i would like them to do oh, more i'd love another one was it was so good um, yeah Okay. Any other no pointers? Well, just how much I loved it, really. Yeah, and it's got really good reviews, and obviously it's been nominated for um, an Oscar. Yeah, I think it's 
probably not going to win, but it's nice that it's there. Um, Always good to have the norm. Because it's up against, obviously, the likes of the boy and the heron. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Robot Dreams, which I've not heard of. Um, and Elemental. I would say, you know, it's probably going to lose out to either the boy and the heron or Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. But yeah. it's good to see an animated film that isn't just for kids with queer themes in that kind of conversation. Win, so. win, win, win. Great. Star rating then? I gave it four and a half. And I agreed with you and also gave it four and a Love half. Love it, yeah. I really, really did enjoy it. Really strong film. Sometimes I struggle to get into films as much when I'm at home, but I really did get into it. Yeah, it, it was, was easy excellent. for me to leave my phone on the side. Yes. So we're just going to have a quick ad break now. We'll be back in a second um, where we, where Ned gets his gaydar out. Visit the gaydar. Yeah. See you in a sec. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. Okay, so we're back. Now it's time to unsheath the gaydar. It's a wonderful piece of machinery devised by Ned's own hand and we use it to rank all the films and TV we discuss based on their LGBTQ plus appeal. Let's see where the gaydar ranks. Nimona. <laughs> That's so silly. Oh, do you not love it? It is, yeah. yeah. As I've always said, this is me. This segment is the vehicle to get me to discuss its queer appeal. I'm not really that bothered about right. the ranking because I have started to disagree with it quite oh, a bit, haven't I? Sometimes you're very passionate for someone who's not bothered about the ranking. But I'm probably bothered about not bothered because it doesn't agree with me. Right, well, I've got the results. Okay. Uh, we're in eighth position, which is uh, above Good Grief and below <laughs> Passages. I can't. <laughs> this is. I feel like we might need to start taking some of these films out and doing a bit no. of a refresh. I can't. Basically, it's. Up I there. would say what's above passages. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I'd maybe go above passages and below Priscilla. Why? I would say passengers looks at passages. Not passengers. Passages. Like a passage. A whole yeah, passage. but you said passenger. Oh, did I? Yeah. That's a different film. Um, I would say... Passages looks at one experience rather than a multitude of different themes. Really? I think Passages was much more explicitly about... 
Yeah, um, no, I can understand whereas, that argument as well. Nimona yeah. is coded, and if you look for it, you'll find it because it does it really well. Well, that's but another thing as well. It's gentle enough that audiences not looking for queer representation. Yeah, I would, I would love to. I'd love somebody who's straight to kind of watch it and go, oh, that was a good film, but not really see what we yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, there's two main gay characters from what we're told as yeah. well. but Which is why it's up there. And yeah, that's why no, it's above Good Grief agree. and Red, White and Royal Blue. Because <laughs> it's better? Well, because it's better and because they're about a gay couple doing a couple things. And this is like a little bit gay couple but a lot of... A lot of other stuff going on. A lot of other themes on. going on. Oh, well, I would agree at this point. But yeah, then. great. You've sold me. I have. Uh, we've got 70... Uh, 70? 37 films on the Gay Dar ranking now. Wow. Mm. We don't do tally, do we? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we do? Yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. Are you done? Yep. And that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Gaze on Film Pod. And check out our letterboxed accounts, links of which are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please feel free to drop us a message. I have been Declan. And I have been Ned. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye.